Ain't nobody messing with my nicks. Nicks, 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 Tape, they don't do it like this. Nicks, 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 Yeah, I'm talking mellow. All right, we are back for the first time in what feels like a long, long time, I think. If you check the pod, I think the last episode's like February 9th. So we've taken a little hiatus, but a well-earned hiatus, I think. But uh, we had to come back, missed it too much. So uh, a few housekeeping things I want to talk about before we get into some sports. Uh, the most important thing is what this, what's going to happen this month. Uh, we decided we're going to have a little guest month. So uh, throughout the month, I think you'll see some, some pretty important guests. We already have a couple lined up that I'm really excited about. I don't know if I want to say them just yet, but um, you'll, you'll be seeing them on, on the Instagram. And a second thing equally important is if you check the website, there's a link in our Instagram, and I'll post it again. Mr. Harris, incredible article about the Mets and their offseason. Very true. It's, uh, you know, it makes you laugh. It makes you think. And that's really what more could you want from an article, right? It's got, I mean, maybe it even makes you cry, and that's the trifecta right there. Um, <laughs> so you'll see that. And, you know, Yankee fans, I wrote one as well, but Mr. Harris probably has the better one from what I've gathered. Um, I don't know. Yours was pretty damn good. No, listen, they're both good. I'm not <laughs> denying that. I'm not as humble as I used to be. But listen, <laughs> we're we're a very, very talented podcast. So anything we create, you know it's going to be good. So you can check that out. But uh, let's get to a sport that we really haven't talked about since I think maybe like our second or third episode. We actually had Jack Bedix on. We talked some NBA, fi- NBA playoffs. Uh, I don't even think we talked about the NBA Finals. We're not the biggest basketball pod, but we are going to talk about them here because let's talk about the Knicks. I know um, it's it's funny, even though the Nets have been maybe the best team in the NBA talent-wise when they're playing, when they're right, New York's still buzzing about the Knicks. There's no doubt in my mind that they're still dominating New York. Uh, and they finished the se- They finished going into All Star break one game over 500, which is something they haven't done since like 2012, 2013. Which was that the uh, the Jeremy Lin team, the Lin Sanity days, or right? Pretty before? sure it was. I feel like yeah, it was, right it was around then. It might have been. Yeah. I think it was maybe one. I think like Lin Sanity was maybe 2011. Mm. Yeah, it was. So it could have been the year after, but it's still, you know, it's the, the mellow days, J.R. Smith, the Mari Stoudemire, fun, fun days, uh, I think, and eventually dis- ultimately disappointing. But the Knicks are doing, they're doing pretty good. And uh, where are they now, fourth or fifth in the standings? Fifth. I should probably know that. Fifth? Fifth, yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, only like half a game. Let's find this out right now. But I think last time I yeah, checked. Yeah, I'm checking right now. Half, half, half a game, game behind the Celtics. Celtics. Listen, mm-hmm. they got a long way to go, I think, before they take over the Bucks, the Nets, or the 76ers. Um, yeah. that's, they're going to have to go in a little bit of a run to be able to catch them. But they could easily be in fourth, which is not something you thought we were going to say about the Knicks. I think when people talked about the Knicks, it was, are they going to win 20 games? Yeah. And like they could easily be in fourth, fourth but like... Also, they could easily be in tenth. The people right behind them. Yeah, the east. Them, yeah, the eastern conference. The east is very. One. It's very close. Yeah. There's no runaway teams really in the east besides the 76ers and the Nets and the Bucks. Those and, are the uh, good teams, and everyone's around 500 besides that. Yeah, the top three basically. Yeah. 
And I was like, if we're looking further on, if the Knicks are able to hold this fourth or fifth spot, like that obviously gives them the best shot at like winning a playoff series. Cause obviously the Sixers and Nets and Bucks, they're like, I feel like they're like the top of the East and they're like a lot better than the rest. I mean, the Celtics are also pretty good, but I feel like if the Knicks like, could have a shot at winning a playoff series, if they can just hold this spot, I think it would it'd be very good for New York. As much as I want to see that, I kind of want to see them play the Nets. Well, yeah, he, he, but that, here's the he, here's cool. the thing though, and I I would like to see Knicks and Nets in the playoffs. I think that'd be fantastic. But when you rather like, if they're the fourth seed, they play. I, I mean, I don't even know that you're probably playing a fifth seed there, or is that? Yeah, yeah. So if you're the fourth seed or the fifth seed, like let's say you're playing, you know, the Celtics or the Heat. Knicks played the Heat really well this year. Wouldn't you rather play a team that you can compete with and then maybe you win and you move on and then you're playing the Nets in a more important yeah. round because as good as the, the Knicks are and, you know, as many people as I see, you know, they've got the defense. That's what the Nets don't have. That's going to be a fun matchup, but you're going to be serious, serious underdogs when you go up against the Nets. I think you'd rather yeah. be in a spot to maybe get a playoff win and then if you lose the Nets in the next round, it's like, well, we were supposed to be a, at best a fringe playoff team, and here we are moving on the playoffs. I think that would be a better spot to be in. Just, yeah, and especially – no, Just think about the Knicks winning a game against the Nets, how crazy New York City would be going right now. Oh, like, I mean, it would know, be it would be, be ridiculous. But uh, – even just looking at their schedule, we talked about how competitive the East was. Like, I'm seeing Milwaukee, their first game back. Then Brooklyn, I see the 76ers at least twice. Yeah, the 76ers twice yeah. in a short span. Uh, you got Milwaukee again. You play Miami. I'm seeing Boston pop up twice here. Charlotte, I know, is in the playoff is in playoff competition. I'm not too worried about them. But, uh, yeah, you're definitely going to play... Brooklyn a decent bit here. Like so there are some good teams in the mix. I see Toronto twice. Uh so the schedule's not gonna be easy. I even see the Lakers twice. So wow, this is gonna be not yeah, the easiest the stretch schedule, for them. Mm-hmm. You know, there can be some but there are there are some winnable games along the way. I think the story of this game has been the story of the season for them has been they've won the easy games and then they've won some of the games you didn't expect. Yeah, like the Bucks. Right? Wasn't that their first? Was that their first? The first yeah, game of the season, they beat the Bucks, and not like by a little. Sec- yeah, no, it was a blowout. It was like yeah. the second or third game, and then they blew out the Celtics. Yeah, they blew. They blew out the Warriors. Their first game against the Warriors. Yeah, and then they- oh yeah, they blew out Golden State. Yeah. Yeah, by like fifteen, but then and then they lost to them in the second time. But the second game was really close. They just couldn't yeah. score at the end. It was disgusting. Dude, I just remember like watching that. Um, they played those two games against Miami back to back. Oh my god! And just so like so close, two games that they should have won. Yeah. And it's just like I see that, and like you know what? This is a. I know Miami is not maybe not the powerhouse in the East, but I still think people sleep on them a little bit. I think like I mean, that's they were in the finals last. Year. They were in the finals last year. I know, right? No one expected them to be there. But I still think they're a very talented team. And for the Knicks to be able to hang with them two days in a row, you know, you've just seen them. And then both times you're right in those games with a chance to win in the final minute. Uh, I think that's that's very impressive. And I don't think we can talk about the Knicks 
if we don't take, if we don't talk about the job that Tom Thibodeau has done, you know, turning them from a bottom feeder that occasionally won a game where you're like, oh, that's kind of nice, to a team where you now go in and you're like, I don't know if it's we can win every game, but you go into a majority of your games thinking we're in a spot to win this year. I think, you know, I think you go into a chance where, you know, maybe you're not exactly confident, right? When you go into like a, a against like the Lakers, if well, Lakers wouldn't be the best option because they're a little interesting right now. But like, let's say Brooklyn, when they've got their top three healthy, maybe you don't go in fully confident, but you still go, hey, we got a shot to win this. I think you always have a shot and you always have confidence if you have top three defense in the league, like the Knicks do. And it just depends on if their offense shows up, like what offense shows up. We've seen offenses that score 140 points with that against the Kings. And then we see them score, barely score and just, just look disgusting. Now Sacramento's defense is awful. That's true. No, it's, it's pretty bad. Is that uh, the Luke Walton squad? Or is that different? Uh, uh, I know their social media team is very funny. Their Instagram page <laughs> posts a lot of stuff. <laughs> let's let's see. Uh, <laughs> let's see if it's lukewarm. Good for Sacramento, by the way. Yeah, he's the coach of the Kings, and like everyone just yeah. wants him out. Uh, I think they've got the worst defense in the league. Yeah, if you let up 140 to the Knicks, even as good, even you know, and I don't even think they're that bad of a team, but I, I've watched them a decent bit now. And their offense, it's like they don't have that many shooters. Like they're kind of chilling. You're happy if you get one ten. That's kind of where you kind of want to be, I think. But uh, you know, these last few games, let's see, 103, 106 and a loss, 140, 110, 109. They scored 93 against Sac- San Antonio. That was pretty awful. And then 114. So, I mean, we're seeing a decent stretch of offense from them after seeing a lot of 90, 90 point scoring. So, and when, when we're watching the games, you know, Clyde Frazier, the commentator, love Clyde Frazier, by the way. Always like, okay, first team to 100 wins the game because with the Knicks defense, it's they have such a good defense. And I think, yeah, it's like a grinded out game. They play a playoff style basketball. They're not just going, just chucking up shots and, like, letting teams score. The Knicks are very much an offense that it's like, hey, who's hot? Like, who's going to do it for us today? Because I think the one thing everyone complains about is that they don't really have a consistent shooter. I mean, yeah. you've seen Julius Randle be lights out. He's probably still their most consistent, maybe throwing quickly. I mean, he quickly no, goes through spurts, right? Quick, quickly is not consistent at That's all. That's true. He used to be. Early on, we thought I thought maybe he's, still, yeah. he's a talented shooter. I'll give you that he's not consistent. Like Julius Randle had that one stretch where it was just like remember he hit like seven threes in a row. It was just like you couldn't stop him. But then I'll go through games where you're just like, dude, what are you doing? And that's still, I mean, he's still the best player on their team right now. But like I was, just, I was watching the other day. Neil Aquina hit like a bunch of threes in a row, and it's like, what, Frenchie, what are you doing? He, he doesn't get any playing time, but Randall, like no matter how he plays, he'll always get his 25 points a game. Not always, but he's like compared yeah. this year and last year, such a different story. Last year, he struggled shooting somehow. I don't know what he did over the offseason, but now he can shoot threes, which is just putting that work. Yeah. And then um, and now he's an all star. Yeah. Listen, going into all star weekend, you'll be able to see your boy. 
RJ Barrett is Obi like Obi top in the dunk contest, the dunk but they only got that three hurt. people for. <laughs> <laughs> Obi Toppin though is has been a letdown. So just watching him play, he looks timid out there. He doesn't look like he's in the flow. Yeah. Of I don't know if it's just not getting enough minutes or he doesn't, not, he doesn't just doesn't seem comfortable in the offense. Here's my question yeah. for you guys. Does the fact that Emmanuel quickly who you got you got him in the second round or no? no late first round, no, late first round like pick, right? Right. So yeah. run one first round, twenty something. Does that pick salvage this draft for you? Like does it make up for the fact that Obi Toppin is maybe not what you've expected? Or how do we feel so far? Uh, I, I think it definitely makes up for it because Emmanuel quickly, that's just an insane it's a great pick and they got really lucky. But Obi Toppin, even when he was picked, there was a lot of doubters. I didn't think he like he was gonna be that great because he had what one only one really good year at Dayton, but then his other years, and he's also older than so many other players in the draft. Uh, I remember Stephen A. yelling about it, saying that they should have gotten the guy, the point guard, the number two guy, Halliburton. Yeah, Halliburton. Yeah, he's doing good too. That's what I was gonna say. I was I was just about to ask, like looking at the picks that came after him, um who who would you rather have taken with hindsight? Definitely Halliburton. Halliburton? Yeah, Halliburton. We wouldn't Halliburton, yes, but then they got Emmanuel quickly, which made Mm. up for that, who's one spot below Halliburton on the and on the ladder. And they're yeah. both point guards, right? Like they're both guards. I mean, I basically you can't you can't yeah. have too many point guards because I mean they ended up trading anyway for um they traded Dennis Smith for Derrick Rose, who I love. I think that's a huge I love that. I just he's such a good story. And I'm just such a big fan of him mm-hmm. ever since he had that comeback year in Detroit. I just I want this guy to do well and I don't know if he'll ever be able to get back to that MVP. It'll be almost impossible just because, like, you had to be. He was so athletic back then. But, like, if we could see him score 15 points per game and keep that out throughout the season, I would be overjoyed and I would buy a Derrick Rose jersey because I love the dude so much. He makes the team, he just makes the team so much better because I don't know. It just just looks like the the chemistry looks so much better. He's just such a team player and just helps everyone. And he's a leader for the rookies. And I've, like, Mm -hmm. I think it was a good trade for everyone involved. I think it was a good trade for Dennis Smith because he he's starting some games on the Pistons because there's just a log jam at the guard spot. Like we look at Neil Aquina now, he's still behind Peyton, Rose, and Quickly. And mm-hmm. I got the a lot of fans don't like Peyton. What do you guys think about Alfred Payton? I don't know. He's he's, he's interesting. <laughs> that mm. that would be the word to describe him. He's solid. He's a solid defensive player. A solid score, yeah. But then he just he, seems like he has he can get much better. He seems like that he's reached. He seems like this year's guy that just everyone hates. Every team has that guy where it's just like whenever you go on social media, even if he's doing well, trade this bum. The blah, comments, blah. Yeah. The comments yeah. are never, never kind to Peyton, and it doesn't help that quickly is done well. That Derrick Rose mm-hmm. is obviously a fan favorite. And when Neil Akina starts shooting threes from the corner, people are like, <laughs> why do we even need Alfred Payton? And I get that. He's another one of those guys. He's weird. Like, I've seen games where it's just like he'll drive to the net, make this insane layup, and it's like 
you know, dude, this guy has clear talent. I think he's decent at running the offense. I'm not so sure that you pull the trigger and just go trade this bum just yet because I don't know that you have a clear starting point guard yet. As we've as we've chronicled before, you know, quickly has his moments where like sometimes he's great and sometimes he's shooting five for 20. And that's not yeah. are you willing to put all that pressure on him and make him the starting point guard? Because I don't know if Derek Rose, he's the thing though. I don't know how many minutes Derek Rose can play. If you want like that's when you'd really have to work in Neil Akina into that rotation and make him another point guard. And I, do you, would you rather have Nilakina in there than Peyton? I think it's a legitimate question. I, I think mean, Peyton's better than Nilakina. Nilakina is probably better defensively. He's a lockdown defender. But when I was listing the guards, we com- we completely forgot about Austin Rivers. And he, I think he's now traded. Austin Rivers, I think, yeah, is gone. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't he's ever going to play again. But remember in the beginning of the season, everyone was going crazy. Like, oh, he had, that, he had that crazy game. He had that game where it was 10 for 10. <laughs> he was going off. What was that? Is it twenty five points in the first? Jazz? Who was it? I don't remember. Was he had like twenty five points in the first half. He's gone. Yeah, in like oh. in like ten minutes, he just chucked up. Uh-huh. He had like two games like that, and everyone's going crazy. Okay. And then he never played another minute. You know what? Another thing I'm talking thinking about like guys that we've kind of forgotten this season, or just like not forgotten. I don't think anyone's forgotten Mitchell Robinson. He's injured, but the Knicks have done all of this with Mitchell Robinson, and I almost like you have to take a step back and be like. Like, even with Mitchell Robinson going into the season, I don't know if he would have expected this. And without Mitchell Robinson, they've still been able to do this. Nerlens Noel has been a pretty solid jo- solid guy. I think, listen, I think when Mitchell comes back, I still think he deserves a starting spot. But uh, Nerlens has done a hell of a job. Nerlens Noel has really stepped it up. I think, is Taj Gibson still out? He might be, by the way, Fort Green guy, Fort Green represents an area of Brooklyn you don't hear talked about. I don't know if I'm blatantly giving away my location, but listen, Fort Green, you don't see a lot of those guys. So Fort Green represent, baby. I love my Todd Gibson. And Lou, I want to go back to your point about like Rose not playing a lot of minutes. I think it's been interesting because we've seen Randall playing like 30, 40 minutes a game. And we see these players like, and Hank Nerlens Noel even like Tom Thibodeau is playing, give having them play so many minutes. And some of these games are not like they're not blowouts, but they're not close. They like give the starters a rest. And yeah, I, I saw it was I a game into long. Pistons. Yeah, you're still rolling them out. Like no point, just put put like Obi Toppin in. There's no point. Like these guys are young, but you can't have them consistently playing 30, 40 minutes. Yeah, it's not it's not gonna last. They're not going to be able to do it. I think for like the level of talent that the Knicks have and the level of production that they end up getting, I think the Knicks have pretty good depth uh, in terms of like guys that they could pull off the bench or even like guys that they're just not playing. Like pulling Austin Rivers off the bench is maybe it, it's maybe okay. It's not the worst thing you can do. Uh, so I think this Knicks depth is actually it's pretty solid. This play has been pretty amazing so far they're definitely they're gonna have to keep it up uh because i think you know one bad stretch you could find yourselves forced to play one of those i think it's like a play in to even get into the playoffs um but without a doubt you know they've made it a lot more interesting i've always tried to get into basketball and watching the knicks uh and maybe i'm gonna expose myself a little bit here as a fraud 
Uh, I just couldn't, I couldn't get into it. I, I, I do like watching basketball, but it's not something that was always in my routine. It's like third or fourth, it's fourth, honestly, on my, all my sports of that I watch. Um, and it still is, but I'm watching it a lot more regularly. What's your list? What's your list? I want to hear your well, list. obviously baseball, number one is the first sport I fell in love with and I'm, the watch. Yankee, the Yankee. I'm a huge Yankee fan. I, I know people say it's boring, but I could watch baseball like, on, you know, for hours. I watch the Mets. I honestly, I go through the season. I watch a ton of Mets games. Um, second, it's football because the great thing about football is that you can actually just watch more than any sport. I think you can watch any team play and just have a good time. You know, all the players, fantasy football helps, but it's something about that sport where it's like, sure. I could sit down and watch Lakers Clippers and basketball is another sport where you could kind of do that. And that's fun. It's entertaining, but Regular season random game versus regular season NBA game. I'm taking regular season NFL game all the way. Um, third, I go hockey. I know people don't like hockey, and it's kind of the fourth sport for most people. It's such a fun sport to watch because you just have people on ice skates for every one and a half minutes. These guys come on. They basically sprint skate, ram into each other. It's high speeds. There's a, I, and a, I'm a, I'm a Rangers fan myself. So I have some invested, you know, when I, when I watch the Rangers, but uh, I, I have more fun watching hockey than basketball. But my main point was I'm starting to watch basketball when the Knicks are on, like I'll check my computer and be like, Oh, the Knicks are playing today. Like, awesome. I'll, I'll turn them on the computer and, and watch them play. And I haven't done that pretty much ever because I, I was barely aware of basketball back in uh, my elementary school days when they were actually good. And then when they were bad, I was like, why am I going to waste my time with this? So I'm glad that I'm starting to get into basketball with this team. Cause I don't feel like I'm absolutely a bandwagon. This feels like a scrappy team. I always said, if I was going to watch basketball, I was going to be a Knicks fan. I wasn't going to go with the Nets. Lou back to your point about hockey. Like it's exciting to watch definitely. But I think it's like a regular season hockey, but playoff hockey, playoff hockey playoff is the hockey best. Baseball. And I don't know playoffs if of any sport. I don't know if I don't know if that's a hot take. Rangers fan, being a Rangers fan, you know, might not understand in the past couple. Past hey, we made it to a Stanley Cup in the last decade. I was watching back then. I was on a music trip watching them play Ottawa off some kid's computer in a random college that we were staying at. And they lost in like double over to overtime to your, that was the game. The Islanders who they have now Peugeot. I think it's how you name go. Azure, yeah. yeah. Azure scored like three goals against us. Kid was a killer. So that was that was a fun series. All and I want to say is it's actually my fault because I moved. We had this Rangers like sign that you could hang up, and I moved it after they beat Montreal. Uh, and it was like this great series. They beat Montreal, and I moved it into. I think I moved it from our living room to over my bedroom, like on my bedroom door. And they lost the next series. And that's when I learned, like, if they win, you got to keep everything the same. Same underwear. You can't change anything. Uh All I know is the Islanders playoff run this past season was insane. Yeah. I was was rooting for you guys to win out of everyone. I didn't really want Tampa to win. So. But back to basketball. Let's go back to basketball. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, but what I was going to say about basketball is I'm in, like, the same boat as, like, I used to watch them with, like, Carmelo Anthony Jeremy Lin and like when they started getting bad like the last few years I just like didn't really watch it because like like I've never really been an NBA guy besides the Knicks like I think you guys know I'm more of a college fan 
but so like yeah, this year i've just i've just actually been watching the knicks and, and it's like i i haven't been able to do that over the last few years it's and like i a good feel i agree with you there i think when Porzingis came i watched like those one or two seasons. Yeah, I guess I, I, I watched games there, but then I stopped. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll say this: when Persingas came, I played with them on NBA 2K. Yeah, so I did. I did that. <laughs> I, I didn't watch. Um, this was insane on 2K. He, I was averaging like 40 a game with him. It was sick. <laughs> he was amazing. But um, I think it ended up being a very long and fun tangent that we just had here. But my main point is that these Knicks. You know, they're entertaining, they're exciting, and I think the best part is that they're young, so you have hope for the future. And I know there have been talks about Bradley Beal and giving up what was the what was the um the trade people were talking about, like trade Mitchell <laughs> Robinson and like all these guys, Rajay Barrett and two first round picks. Uh I don't know where honestly. I stand on that. You know, I, I get that yeah. you know they need this big piece. They need the pure shooter, huh? Look, Bradley Beal would definitely be worth it. I think Bradley Beal, when we talk about he's going to be better than I think R.J. Barrett will ever be. But, you know, there's part of me that I don't know if this team, if it's going to make the Knicks better, but there's part of me that kind of wants to let this young core ride and just see where it can go because uh, I think there's just something so fun about a scrappy team that finds their way into the playoffs with like homegrown guys I always make the the comparison between the the 2017 Yankees and the 2018 Yankees. The 2017 Yankees that came out of nowhere, right? They get judged from the farm system, and it's very much a scrappy team. Like their stars were Severino and Gary Sanchez before everyone hated him, and, and Judge. And you had Todd Frazier in the infield, and there was Didi. Uh, I've even I think their first baseman in, in the playoffs ended up being Greg Bird. Uh, so it's just like a, a weird scrappy team. That I think people weren't weren't like uh, against rooting for. I'm not saying their every the everyday fan was out there like yeah like Yankees let's go. But I don't think there was as much hatred for the Yankees during that playoff run. But then they they traded for John Carlos Stanton, and all of a sudden everyone hates the Yankees. And why, and why should they? And the Yankees will go out and say, hey, we love being the evil empire. We'd rather be good than care about what people think about us. But it's a decent feeling to root for a scrappy underdog team. Like that season, the 2017 season for the Yankees, Judge came out of nowhere. And mm-hmm. it was for the first time where I really experienced watching a star just come out of nowhere and being able to see him for the first time completely come out of nowhere and be one of the best players in the MLB. I never I never really had that before. Um and I think honestly, to a point, that's what you're kind of seeing out of Julius Randle. You're kind of seeing a star emerge from out of nowhere i know he's not as young but there are a lot of good things about this Knicks team that if they were to make it to the playoffs as is if they were to win it would be such a storybook people would make videos about it on youtube you'd see those uh, like stark raving sports things it'd be amazing <laughs> and i think you know what i was gonna say? go with i think okay. like with comparison like comparing them to the nets i don't it's hard to root for the nets because they didn't really have any homegrown talent. They just got two big free agent signings and then traded. Let's, their let's talk about the Nets market. for a little bit. I know we're very much a Knicks pop, but let's talk about the Nets, the Nets here. So first things first, I think before they made the trades, right? Did you guys have any problem rooting for them? Like I always kind of liked them. I, I liked um, no, I like D'Angelo Russell, uh-huh. Dinwiddie. I liked all those. I kind of liked them. Like remember the year where they were, 
they had the thing where they were dancing on the bench. Do you remember that? Yeah, I love that. That was like they were yeah, that, a fun. That was a fun, that was a fun team to watch. Yeah. They were a fun young team. And the problem is, mm-hmm. they, right? They signed KD and Kyrie. And besides, it, it hurt Knicks fans most of all because Knicks fans thought they were getting them and then they went to the Nets. Uh, so there's obviously going to be no love and all of a sudden you're not rooting for the Nets because it's not the feel-good story anymore. It's, well, now they're good. The feel-good story is that they were so scrappy and so good with what they had that they were able to attract those two free agents. And then you sign Harden. The Nets are just like, they're a guilty pleasure. Like, you watch them if you want to see three of the best players in the NBA play basketball on the same team, which you actually can't do yet because I feel like one of them is always injured or out or something like that. But even with two of them, they're still amazing. Uh, Mm -hmm. But yeah, they're definitely, they're the the big villain right now. Mm -hmm. Maybe the Lakers to an extent because I don't think anyone wants, the Lakers won it was the year Kobe died. I don't think people had that many problems with, with um, LeBron winning another championship because it was for the Lakers and, and all the storylines lined up. But I don't know if anyone wants to see the Lakers win another chip, you know? I think that's more yeah. not on the Lakers. That's more on LeBron. There's just so many LeBron haters out there. Just Well, it also it, it, it gets to the point where it's like, I think NBA fans got tired of seeing Warriors Cavaliers in the playoffs in the in the finals every single year. Um because it, that's what it felt like in the NBA was like the, the finals were already predetermined and there was already there's already been accusations of like you know the NBA scripting. And you know, you get those accusations in every single sport, but it got to the point where it was just like, why do we even need to play the regular season? We know these two teams are gonna be here at the end. Um and that's why when the Raptors won, I think everyone was so happy because it was like, holy crap, the Warriors didn't win. Like, someone could actually win for a change in this league. Um, that's why a lot of people, including myself, rooted for Miami because they felt like a good team yeah. to root for. Uh, so I don't know. If Brooklyn makes it to the play, if it's like a Brooklyn Lakers playoff, I think you'll see a lot more teams, a lot more player people. People. There we go. People yes. root for the the Nets than the Lakers, just because the Lakers have already won it. Uh but it's almost like the lesser that's of two. Gonna be, if that happens, that's gonna be like one of the best finals. Like just all the star power. From pure quality wise, no, I know it ruined your thing a little bit. But um my question is with without Anthony Davis, is that matchup as good? Because the Lakers have not been great with Anth- without Anthony Davis. And I think obviously the matchup is not as good. And I think, but like, I'm trying to think, is there a better one? That's, that should be, that's the better question I'm trying to ask is the Lakers without AD. Is there a better team to, to fix up to actually to match up with, uh, with Brooklyn? Isn't, aren't the jazz on top of the The jazz are doing very, very well. I don't know. I think they're like more of a regular season team. I don't know if I can see them make a run for the fun. Yeah. I don't know. Very good right now. Are the Cl- are the Clippers if if the if the Lakers don't have AD are the Clippers the better team when you have Kawhi and Paul George and I think maybe a more solid team Lou Will. We saw them. Yeah, it all depends last on AD. No, last year their stock was definitely higher. I don't know. The West is a weird. It's a weird place. Like they're the better, but they're also yeah, the Suns are good. The Suns. I are like good. the Suns. I think. I like the bubble, in the bubble last year. They. Yeah, they didn't make the playoffs, but they didn't they go undefeated in the bubble or something. They went eight and zero. Yeah. Here's another question I do want to throw out here. Um, 
there's been talk that the Nets, they're one of the teams, I think one of the four teams, in talks with Blake Griffin, who just got his contract bought out by Detroit. The Nets get Blake Griffin. And I think the one thing they've always said they needed is a little more size, a little more rebounding. I know he's not as spry as he used to be. If the Nets get Blake Griffin, is it kind of over? <laughs> that's not even fair. It's just, if they get Blake yeah. Griffin, it's just that, that's insane. I mean, he's not like amazing. He's not. No, he is not. His prime is over. Yeah. But he's he's a solid piece. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not actually up to date on Blake Griffin. Is he a good rebounder right now? Is he still a good rebounder? I know he's yeah. big. I'll I'll find his stats. Let's look up some rebounding numbers. Because that's the the biggest thing you lost. I think you go back. You still make that trade because you see where it's gotten the Nets to. Jared Allen. Losing Jared Allen hurt. Who was they? I mean, was they also traded Levert, who I don't think hurt ended up hurting as much. Um, yeah, and I think you're fine without Levert. Uh, yeah, here Blake Griffin stats: twelve point twelve points per game, five point two rebounds, mm. three point nine assists. So not like a force rebounding, but I think I get he gives you a little more size if he's, if he's mm. scoring. He's not going to score 12.2 points a game, I don't think, because he's not going to be the biggest offensive weapon. I think maybe he's their yeah. fifth best. I put Joe Harris ahead of him. I think most people would in terms of scoring ability. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, you add him to a team that already has pretty impressive depth. Depth. There we go. Uh, I think, you know, there are some other, <laughs> there are some other guys. I forget his name, but there's that, there's that three-point shooter that they signed this year. Uh, in case they didn't sign Joe Harris. Is it Landry Shamet? Is that his name? I think it's Landry Shamet. Uh, Sounds right. I'm not sure. Let, I'll, I'll look it up just to be sure, but I'm, I, know, I, th- I know it's Shamet. Let's make sure I got the first name right. Yeah, Landry Shamet, he's a good scorer. Listen, man, the Nets are a powerhouse right now. Um, I don't know that there's, there's, there's much else to say. Real quick, before we... Stop talking about basketball. We're going to quickly mention hockey, and then we'll get into some spring training. Uh, I have rookie rookie stats up here for, um, for the NBA. And you guys are right. Halliburton, third ahead of quickly, uh, at least in points per game. But it, it looks like in, in most major categories, a lot more assists. Wow. Um, On the, the- – the NBA has they have a ranking ladder and they have uh Lamelo at one, Halliburton two, and fifty three. Interesting. All right. So um, but yeah, in terms of of scoring, I see Cole Anthony at six. I know that was maybe a partnership. I was wondering if the Knicks would do. Uh, would you guys have rather? I mean, it's not considering how not not great Obi Toppin has been. You guys would have taken Cole Anthony over Obi Toppin, right? I, I loved Cole Anthony. He went to my middle school. Ooh, yeah. Poly prep? He's a poly prep dude? Yeah. Nice. Eighth grade middle school basketball. Very fun to do watch. Do you have him on the do you have yeah, him on I Snapchat? Saw, I saw him play one. No, I do not. You don't have him on Snapchat. You have the uh the guy that got drafted, right? Yeah, so, that guy is a mess. For the that people that are listening, the guy that in the NBA draft it's either is it the one that the mom threw the girl out of the way or the one with the phone? Uh, the mom threw the girl out of the way. So in the, in the NFL draft, when the, mo- when the, the girl's there hugging her boyfriend who just got drafted and the mom comes out of nowhere and just basically lifts her up and tosses her aside. 
That's the kid Lucas talking about. He has him on Snapchat. All right, yeah, I think they, I used to. They we, had a streak, right? We, yeah, we had a streak. We used to text with the same English teacher, but like obviously different grades. Do you give him homework? No, no, you should have. I was in eighth grade. What? He was in twelfth grade when I was in eighth grade, but I had uh, him on Xbox. I had his Xbox gamer tag and everything. Oh, you just had the same English teacher. You yeah, can see how that, that would be confusing. Yes, yes. That's also a stupid question by me. How would you get drafted if you're a senior? Listen, I wasn't thinking, but <laughs> <laughs> it was a stupid question. I'll admit to it. It's like, but yeah, I yeah, that was a funny video of his mom throwing the girlfriend out of the way. Yeah, that was one of my favorite videos from the NFL draft. That but, one, I think, like the phone, the girl trying to look at the phone, the guy. That's a great content. But back to Cole Anthony, like, I I really liked him coming out of high school. Was he like the top, like he was one of the top five prospects? But then he played at North Carolina. He did not have a good year. Like riddled with injuries. Injuries will do it. But I think I don't know. I just I'm not a fan of Obi Toppin. He just doesn't. He doesn't work with the Knicks. I I would like. He doesn't. He doesn't do it. You're talking about trading for a star, and I think, like, obviously, there's some guys you cannot trade, like Randall Barrett and quickly Mm -hmm. Robinson. I definitely not Barrett. I do not. Dude, I on like. I like Barrett. I know you. I know you like Barrett, but like, there are only so many guys. If you want to get a star, the Bradley Beal, I don't know how you trade for him even with the two first-round picks, without giving up one of Barrett, Randall, Mitchell Robinson, or help me out here, maybe maybe is there another guy? Maybe people take a chance and it'll be top. And I think it's those three. I don't think you're going to get a star. I don't think you get Bradley Beal without one of those three. You know? Definitely it'll be top. And I think his stock his is still, value. Yeah. He's not. He's not playing that well, but his – Value is still high. He played just out of college. He, I think, teams still like him and just doesn't look like it. He works with the Knicks, so I think mm-hmm. he's definitely definitely a good trade piece. I think trading him, maybe Kevin Knox. I want to see Kevin Knox get a chance. He's not a bad player, just hasn't played well, yeah. but and hasn't got enough time. But I like, I'd like them to try to trade Obi Toppin to get a star. I think that'd be great. So it's it's an interesting conversation. Uh, and I think we can have these conversations down the line because I'm not opposed to talking more Knicks. One of the best things, as sad as I am, that football season is over. We did a football pod virtually every week, and there's just so much to talk about. There were always so there are always so many storylines that we never really get to talk about anything else. And now we have a lot more freedom. And speaking of this freedom, I'm going to use some of this freedom to briefly mention the New York Rangers. Um, just uh, to all you Ranger fans, they're doing okay. They just came off an impressive, impressive win against the Devils. Kreider scores another hat trick. Love Chris Kreider, by the way. Just a fantastic dude. Yeah, I guess uh, I'll tell a story about him. You know, for the pod. You uh, got to. You got to. You know, he was uh, he he went to Boston College with me, and uh, he knew one of my friends, and they were throwing a party after they won the national championship. It wasn't the same night. It was like the weekend after. Um, and I beat him in flip. So, you know, claim to fame. <laughs> you know, Chris Kreider, he's, he's, uh, he's getting some goals now. So I think that's a pretty impressive achievement. Where would the Rangers be without Chris Kreider? 
much worse than they are than than they're at right now. Mika's been bad. He's getting benched occasionally now. Um, it's sad to see. Panarin has been out because uh, our boy in Russia, Vladimir Putin, has it out for him. So there's been some trouble with that. Some accusations that appear to be completely unfounded and not factual in any way. But still no Panarin. So the Rangers still went off. I think they won 6-1. to one. It was just a great game for their offense. They exploded. But the biggest worry... Uh, for the Rangers going out of that game was Igor Shosturkin, who made a stretch, didn't even come into contact with the puck, but kind of shifted from one side of the net to the other, stretched, it was awkward, um, and he went down, wasn't really moving, and when he tried to get up, I showed the guys the video before we started the pod, like just couldn't put any pressure on that leg. And I think Luca and Mr. Harris will agree, watching that video, you think torn muscle, right? He looked Definitely. like he was dying. Yeah, it's pretty bad. He was like sprawled out, like hold, like, like, like where was it? Like, Whenever you see hands on the head, and then yeah. you go, you take one of the hands and you put it on your back or your leg. Never a good sign. Never he, ideal. He just looked like he was in so much pain and like couldn't. I mean, like he couldn't put any pressure on his leg and like gliding without any pressure. Not easy to do, but still like. When he got to like the part when he got to the bench and there's that hallway that leads to your clubhouse and you actually have to you can't just move your feet forward you actually kind of have to pick up your feet a little bit that's where it looked like he really had trouble just doing anything but it came out today the injury's mild he's day to day with a groin strain which is bizarre to me I don't know how you watch the video and see groin say groin strain but apparently apparently he's all right. <laughs> Yeah, that that's just very confusing. Like how, just watching that, it's it seems like it's so much worse. I maybe. I mean, look, I thought, and I try to be an optimist with things, but I saw that and thought, out for the season, we're talking torn something. He's torn something. Something is is broken that was not supposed to be broken, and it's going to take a long time to repair. Um, the good thing is, even if he's hurt, they'll have. I always have trouble saying his name, Georgiev, who is probably a one on a lot. He could be a one on a lot of teams, I think. Very talented goalie. Um, so he'll keep he'll keep us in there. Uh, it's been an up-and-down season for the Rangers. Their offense hasn't always been great. Their defense hasn't always been great. Uh, it, it, everything comes kind of in spurts. We'll talk more about the Rangers when we have one of our special guests on, or I think even both of them are big Rangers fans. So we'll talk more about them. We'll get into more analysis, but let's end this pod. And we still got a little bit ways to go, but let's talk some spring training. I teased the article that we wrote for the, the Yankees and Mets off seasons, but I think let's talk a little bit about them. And I know Steven always has some stuff to say about them, but he's not here yet, even though he said he might be, but he's still not here. So, we're going to carry on without him. Mets and Yankees offseasons. Let's start with um, undisputably the better one. Mets offseason biggest takeaways as we go into spring training. I think the biggest takeaway is that they didn't overspend on player overrated players. Or not even overrated players. Just a lot of players were asking for a lot of money. And I think mm-hmm. they were smart with their checkbooks. They made the 
trade for Lindor, which I think was a great trade. They didn't give up too much. And, and Carrasco. And as and as long as they extend Lindor and Conforto, I think it's gonna be a successful offseason. I'm trying to check right now because you did you mentioned that thing about about uh, not spending too much. And look, so the Mets right now are under the luxury tax. According to uh, Spot Track, which is usually the most reliable one, about sixteen point nine million. I don't know if maybe there are some contracts that they haven't confirmed yet because that number looks really high. Um, but I guess maybe right they didn't they didn't end up signing Trevor Bauer, which is going to send them careening over the luxury tax. Uh, and what they ended up signing Taiwan Walker after that, so maybe they do have sixteen million to work with. Does that sound right to you guys? You guys are probably more. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So, I mean, for all... The biggest thing we've talked about with the Mets is, like, the improvement. Um, We get that you didn't sign a top three free agent, but you got a top one player in Lindor for his position. Uh, And just the improvement from a wildcard, fringe wildcard team that, let me take you back to last year, missed out in the playoffs. And you know who made the playoffs? The Miami Marlins. So... You can't feel great about that. That's something that you really that doesn't sit well with you guys. But now you're in a spot where you're the division favorite. You're a solid contender for a World Series. I'm not going to say favorite just yet. That's not what everyone's saying, but you're a contender for sure. And that level of improvement is not something that you see every single day. And so the fact that you were able to make all those moves and you still have some money if you want to trade for a big guy come july right trade deadline you want to make a move you have the 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 luxury you have the luxury room the cap room to be able to make a move and and stay under which is good i think steve or sandy said that they're not afraid to go over it you know so and that's that's what that's what you want to hear because the penalty for going over in your first year and they weren't over last year were they no so the penalty for going over the first year i think it's just I, th- I guess it's just cent on the dollar. So it's like, so, so it, it's just that. So as long as you're willing to pay that, the the punishments for like losing draft picks and losing international money, I don't think that comes into effect until like second and third year. I, I'm not completely well-versed on the whole luxury tax rules. Um, the fear is that once you go over, it's very tough to go back. What, yeah, once you go over, it's very it's very tough to go back, I think we've seen that with the Yankees. They're always kind of constantly trying to stay under, and they're just about five million under. Um, but yeah, I think the Mets, you know, they've put themselves in a pretty great spot. We've talked about their offseason a lot, but uh, going into spring training, some good things that we've seen. Pete Alonso Grand Slam. You like to see that. Mm-hmm. You hope that his bat, mm-hmm. you're gonna need his bat to be to be good because yeah, he mm-hmm. was um I saw a crazy stat, and it was something like his war in that one season is like a 5.5. It's better than Luke Voigt's entire career war, which is a, a surprising stat. I actually I am going to talk about this, um, not in this episode, but a little later on. Something that we're going to see is that war might become an interesting stat. Not that it's invalid. It, war is doing its job. The problem with the 60-game season is that let's say you had a breakout season in that 60 games. 
it's not going to be reflected in that war. And probably rightfully so, because, you know, a guy that puts together a great season through a full 162 should have a better war than a guy that did that in just 60 games. But maybe we're going to see players that we view as stars or people that have taken a leap in talent not exactly reflected in that war stat. And so I think what we're going to end up seeing is we're going to turn to OPS plus because that's more of an average stat. I think it, it, it's more of a, it's like a hitting metric that weighs power a lot, but not, not entirely. Uh, and I think it's like, if you're over 100, 100 is like the average MLB player. So if you have a 150 OPS, you're 50% better than the average player. Dom Smith, Dom Smith, I think was at 160 for last year uh, and over his past two years i think i had baseball reference i think he's like 153 and 160 like i was telling posey i was like i didn't realize he's been that good over the past two years and the greatest thing about that is that the total number of games that comes out to like 140 so i'll try and find what his ops plus is over those past two years but it, it's something that you have to be really really proud of and hope that he can continue yeah, definitely. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, Luca, you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to go back to your point about uh, uh your point about like the Mets like, making a huge jump from the wild card spot to like now like contenders, and I think that's not fully true. I think last year they just underachieved so much because going in they they were contenders to win the division and. They were, they were, the division was very contentious, but I think they were not wild card fringes. I think they were definitely up there. But then uh, Syndergaard gets hurt, Stroman opts out, uh, and just, just goes down from there. Look, I'm not saying that you couldn't have won the division, but I think last year we could all agree that the Braves were undoubtedly the better team in oh, terms no. of what, the, in terms of the talent wise that they had. Uh, I mean, the Mets had pieces. If if Alonzo maybe was able to stay on that piece going on on the pace he was going in, then maybe you you have a much more interesting conversation. Uh it was tough. Yes, they could could they have won the division, but I don't think anyone was talking about the Mets as a contender to win the World Series. And now they're in that conversation. Um, it's gonna be tough, right? They got to go up against LA and San Diego in their own league, uh, and that's not going to be easy. But in terms of the talent. Look, when you have the best pitcher in baseball, you're always in a pretty good spot. But the toughest thing about baseball is that one guy can't do it for you. Like there are tons of uh, tons of teams. I've been going through power rankings and rosters kind of like by position. And when I was making those power rankings, I realized is that like how much do you weigh one guy? Because there's only so much one guy can do. And what ends up happening is that the teams that have the best depth throughout end up being the best team. Like the teams that have the most consistent talent those would end up being the best teams. I think the Mets have that this year. Um, one of the things Mr. Harris said in his article was that their weakest link is, is J.D. Davis at third base. And that's honestly not that bad of a weak link. Like that's a, an infielder that I think a lot of teams would happily take. Like they'd say, give me J.D. Davis. Awesome. That's a, that's a great talent to have on, on our team. Uh, so I think that puts you in a pretty good spot. You look at your rotation going in even without Syndergaard we've talked about DeGrom we've talked about Stroman we've talked about Carrasco I want to talk about Taiwan Walker he's coming off an impressive year where he with the Blue Jays I think he was initially on the Mariners got traded 
and ended up with the Blue Jays. With the Blue Jays, he had an ERA of 137, and that was over 26 innings. Uh, in 27 innings with the Mariners, not so hot for ERA, but for the season, a 2.7 ERA. With the Blue Jays, he posted an ERA plus of 325. We see a lot of inflated ERA pluses because pitchers just simply aren't pitching as many innings. So, like, 325 is insane. But, like, there are pitchers out there. I think it might even be, like, Aaron Bummer of the White Sox. They have, like, a 900 ERA plus because they let up, like, two runs the whole year. And it's, like, it's it's stats are definitely inflated. Um, But Tywin Walker put together a hell of a year. And you hope he can kind of carry out that second-half success. I know a guy that Posio really likes is David Peterson. He's a big David Peterson guy. So yeah, I mean, I think, I think he's their five. I don't, I don't buy into Joey Lucchese just yet. I think Peterson. Yeah, that bad. was the one bright spot from last year. He, the one bright spot. Not one bright spot because they they underachieved hey. last year, but Jeez. Peterson, like, he showed that he's a solid starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I I don't think you have a a problem if you have if Peterson's your five. I don't think that's a problem because I think even when Syndergaard was healthy before they made the Taiwan Walker trade, I think that was your plan. Peterson was going to be your five. And if, if your rotation, if your five can be the guy that you planned to have your five at the beginning of the season, that's usually a good mark for a team that that's having success. That doesn't happen a lot. You know, that that five stays the five the whole year or he stays in, even in the rotation the whole year. So, you know, fingers crossed for you guys. Yeah, especially with pitchers because, you know, teams use at least like 10, 11 starters every year. So they have adding those depth pieces like Lucchese and Yamato or whatever his last name is, Yamamoto. Uh, but they're just like important to have, you know, in the minors. And Peterson, like if Cindercard comes back and everybody stays healthy and Walker and everybody's pitching good, he, I'm pretty sure he still has options. So they can always send them back down to the minors if they need to. So before we get over to uh, some Yankee spring training, uh, last question I want to ask you guys, and I haven't been watching the Mets play spring training. I think I just saw the highlight of Alonzo hitting his grand slam. Any players that are kind of on your radar as guys that might make the Rice roster, might not, but either look good in spring training or you've heard some good stuff and you want to let the pod listeners like, hey, look out for this guy. Um, I honestly haven't seen too many spring training games, but I mean, like, uh, I'm excited for, you know, just seeing what guys like Yamamoto and, uh, what they really have. Cause they have, apparently have potential, but just haven't been able to put it together. And even like, uh, what's his first name? Sam McWilliamson, I think, or what's his, they signed a random pitcher that was in the race, but he's like six, seven has a good fastball and like play has developed a lot. So hopefully he'll come, uh, you know, just seeing what those guys have in store. Yeah. Yamamoto. There's a guy um, on talking Yanks, Jake Storiali is a fan of, of Yamamoto. And I think he's got some, they, they like his stuff. So, I mean, that's, he's a, he's a solid pitcher to be on the lookout for. Um, I'm trying to think of guys that kind of went under the radar. I know Albert Armora Jr. put together some good seasons with the Cubs. I don't know if he's going to make the team, but good defensive center fielder that can maybe compete with Pilar. The one thing he's got on Pilar is that he's young, you know, and he might even be a better hitter. 
Um, so, you know, you'll see with that. It's, it'll, you always kind of have to wait. We kind of have an idea of how the starting nine and the rotation and even to some extent the major guys in the bullpen are going to shape up. But those always, it's always those final roster spots. Sometimes you get a guy come out of nowhere. Uh, so, yeah, let's shift over to the Yankees a little bit here. Their offseason, I think, right, the goal is just to stay a World Series contender, and I think that's what they did. Um, and the biggest thing for me, I, maybe there are Yankee fans that will say we didn't do enough. You signed DJ, everything after that is gravy, right? You know, you got you got your boy DJ LeMayhew. He's going to be in your lineup for another six years. Um, and frankly, he's been the best player on the team for the past two years. So you get him, he keeps that, he keeps that lineup going. He's the, really, he's the key for me. Uh, I think, you know, you can, as, as weird as it is to say that you could lose, it's not ideal, but you could lose judge or Stanton or Voight. Hopefully just one of those guys. If you lose one of those guys, I think the offense kind of make that up. There's a lot of power in that offense. I think you can scrape by without one of those guys. I think we even saw it in last year's 60 game season. You lose DJ stuff falls apart. Hicks isn't a bad leadoff hitter. He gets on base. He works his walks. He's a great on base percentage guy, but there's simply no one that hits for average and, and situation into in situations as good as DJ LeMayo. Cause he's simply the best pure hitter in the game. Um, but yeah, Kluber looked great. Tyone looked great in spring training and they're in their first starts. I think Kluber threw, got some strikeouts. I think Tyone had like a seven pitch inning. Um, so they look good so far. Cole looked a little shaky, but I'm not too worried about him. His accuracy wasn't great. I'm trying to think of, of moves we made. Derek Dietrich had a home run. He looks pretty good and guys already seem to like him. He seems like if he makes the team, he could be one of those guys that like people just kind of gather around and, and love. Like the fans will love him. He's got biceps popping out the wazoo. He's amazing. Um, so I honestly, I think I was saying that in the chat. I was like, if nothing else, you need Dietrich just so that you can have those, those mid-inning curl sessions. You know, he gets out the weights and it's just, he passes them around. I, I think that's something you'd like to see. You'd like to see the Yankees have some fun um, in, in the bench, especially after losing Tanaka. Tanaka, I know, is a big prankster, fun guy on the bench. So Derek Dietrich could easily fill that, that role. Hey, he hits for some power. He can play corner infields and outfield and corner outfield. So that's, that's nice. The biggest takeaway for me from Gary Sanchez or from spring training is Gary Sanchez. I kind of gave away my lead there, but it's Gary, it's Gary Sanchez. Um, he, he caught Garrett Cole and he blocked pitches well. And that's something you love to see. He's still doing that, that one knee thing, which is, Hey, if he can block from that position, more power to him. I know his framing numbers were some of the best in the league last year. So if you can actually block pitches, hell yeah, brother, let's do it. Um, his timing seems to be a lot better. It was Trevor Plouffe that came out and said, was analyzing video of Gary Sanchez and was like, look at him from 2017. Look how early he's getting his leg up as opposed to 2020 when the leg's coming up. I believe he said, not when the arm's going back, but when the arm's coming forward, he was something about where his leg was. He was already in the middle of his leg kick as opposed to just kind of starting it and getting just fastballs blown by him, completely not able to hit them. 
his first at bat, he struck out in three pitches. Two of them were high fastballs. But then came back, hit a home run over the batter's eye, which according to the metrics was only 429 feet. Don't really understand that. I thought that was like 450 minimum, but whatever. And he hit an opposite field home run, which is something you love to see from Gary Sanchez because I think that means he's right. Um, but again, there are a lot of Gary Sanchez haters out there. I think the biggest thing, even just normal Yankee fans are going to say is awesome. Do it in, do it, in, do it in the regular season, do it when it counts. Right. Uh, so I, I, I don't know guys. Um, the, this Yankees team, they're a team that should be good, but we've seen them just battle injuries time and time again. So what are your thoughts? I know you guys aren't Yankee fans, but what are your thoughts about this Yankee team so far? All right. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I mean, for I that. don't really know much about, I don't follow the Yankees at all. I'm more of a mm. Mets guy. Mm. And so I don't really know if I can comment on this. I'm not the right person to comment. Sure. I, I guess I could keep going. I mean, no, in I terms of, I think the Yankees, um, I think, I really just forget that. Oh my god! Ignore whatever. All right. Well, moving past that, uh, a guy that Cece Sabathia outlined as someone that could potentially be very, very good, Luis Medina. Uh, he said he's MLB ready right now, and that's high praise from Cece Sabathia. Um, wow, Tomaso just left. Damn. Speaking of Cece Sabathia, yeah. He just said, Marcus Stroman, I think he just, he said he's like ready to reach the next level. He thinks he can be like a Cy Young contender every year. So I don't CC, know. CC is a guy that I trust. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's not that long ago. It feels like a long time ago, but I don't think it was that long ago when Marcus Stroman was a legitimate ace that any team in the league would have wanted. I'll pull up his baseball reference card right now. I mean, look, I know firsthand. Uh, we Yankees played against him time and time again when we played the Blue Jays. Uh, Blue Jays had like a sneaky good rotation for a little bit. It was like him, Aaron Sanchez when he was good for like a year. Marco Estrada also when he was good for like a two-year stretch. They were sneaky good. The last time he was an all-star was 2018. Put together a 322 ERA. His best year was um was probably 2017. 201 innings, finishes eighth in Cy Young, and a 309 ERA, 145 ERA plus. I don't. He's a great pitcher. I think he's being slept on a bit because I think he came in maybe overrated, and then yeah, looking at his stats, um, they don't scream ace material, you know. He didn't live up to some of the hype, and then I think some people didn't like his antics or beliefs. I think a lot of fans got on him for that, and I think because he's very outspoken, and so now he's not hated, but he's definitely, I think he's definitely underrated, and going into the season, he'll be much better. He's got he's got a big mouth, man. It's it was like that one comment he did like an interview. Um, and he was like, he was talking about how he's happy to be with the Mets and that's great. 
but he kept bringing up the Yankees. He's like, all those reports about how I wanted to go to the Yankees. This is where I wanted to go. It's just some of that stuff seemed unnecessary. Like, all right, great. So you didn't want to be with the Yankees. That's fine. Not everyone wants to be with the Yankees. Ken Griffey Jr. never would have played for the Yankees. Said that he would have retired in his prime rather than go to the Yankees. Um, it's fine. I don't know why you have to keep bringing it up. And I think he does have a, a presence on social media that some people don't like. I, I like a little. I like a little life on social media. I know Mr. Harris is a huge Noah Syndergaard fan. Noah Syndergaard's fun. Even I now Mets fans, you guys probably don't like him anymore. Trevor Bauer, I enjoy him no. on social I mean, media. Those three players, they got they went at it. First it was Syndergaard. I know. I saw Bauer, that. and that was hilarious. That was funny. Stroman, like commented on one of Bauer's tweets, I think, and then like Bauer trying to like call him out and they went at it. So I think just that, like Syndergaard and Stroman being so outspoken and Bauer not dissing the Mets, but kind of, he did some like weird stuff with the merchandise with the Mets and kind of like leading on fan Mets fans thinking he's going to sign with them. I think that right there creates such a great rivalry there's, there's a lot of sketchy stuff, and there's going to be a good – you don't need to have a great rivalry to begin with between the Mets and the Padres because they're both going to be – or the Mets and the Dodgers because they're both going to be good teams. But that interaction is going to fuel so much stuff. I was thinking, like, if Bauer had gone to the Mets, that's a social media super team. That's the Brooklyn Mets. That's like – I'm trying to think of, like, social media guys. Let's keep it to baseball, like – who would you rather have in terms of just like polarizing guys making out, coming out, making comments? Bauer's probably your number one pick. Oh, definitely. Syndergaard, I honestly, you could maybe see him get taken at two, honestly, if you were doing like a draft of social media guys. I I'm trying to think. I don't know too many. Do you, you guys have any other names to throw out there? Like, those are the three I, I know a lot because I hear them in New York media. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I can't think of anyone. So I know definitely Syndergaard. If you look at some of the re- people who comment on his posts and then he replies to them, sometimes he absolutely destroys them. Syndergaard yeah, has a good time. So it's- and honestly, I love the whole, like, every video he's shirtless. Mm-hmm. Don't take this in the wrong way, but, like, dude, that's just so fun. Like, I was like, listen, he's ripped. Go out there and show it. Like, my cousin from Hawaii is shredded, mm-hmm. and all he does is swim. Like, I don't even think he lifts weights. And so every single picture, he's, like, he's just, he has, like, a six-pack. He's just, like, showing off the guns. It's like, listen, Aaron, go do it, bro. Come on, live your life. Sure, why not? Like, if you I, got it, why not? Show it off. So I love that. Syndergaard's doing that. I love it. I don't know how we started talking about your cousin, but I think. It, I think it was an app. Now, no one understands the comparison. But, like, picture Aquaman, but without the superpowers. Like, and without the beard. That's who he basically is. And maybe not, he's not, like, a bodybuilder. But, like, picture, like, teenage Aquaman, and that's who my cousin is. He lives in Hawaii. So, throwing that out there. But, moving on from that. Yeah, I think. I mean, I do want to kind of do, like, a quick search on the web and see, like, MLB social media guys. Just to see, because, like, I wouldn't put Strowman in the top five, but he's maybe in the top ten. He gets into arguments, you know? 
let's see. ESPN's got a top 10 MLB players to follow on social media. If it would ever load, this would be ideal. Hmm. Take your time, MLB. Don't what Sean Doolittle. I know he's been active on social media. He's a, he's got a presence for sure. Eh, Hunter Pence. Don't really hear from him too much. Trevor Bauer for sure. Why not? Definitely. Yeah, just take me back to the top of the article. That's exactly what I wanted to do. (laughs) Tell you what, ESPN. Maybe, I don't know. They're never going to get offered me a contract right now. Alex Bregman, I'll pass. Blake Snell. Blake Snell's a guy. Top three. He's at a presence. He does the Twitch stuff. Oh, my God. Uh Dude, he is is, uh, not afraid to say some stuff. Tim Anderson, sure, sure, sure. Let the kids play. Love that. Fernando Tatis Jr. Okay. I can get I can get down with that. I, but this article, I feel like where is it coming from? Is it like is it controversial guys or just people to follow? Uh well, I'm just like in an endless loop right now. Marcus Stroman on the list right now. I feel like I'm in Groundhog Day. Like it just keeps taking me up to the top of the article. But <laughs> Ooh, Randy Dubnak. That's a, Mike Clevenger, another Cleveland guy that um very close with Bauer. So I would say if you're doing a top 10, Clevenger's got to be in there. I throw in, I personally throw in Blake Snell. Do you guys remember like back when like they were trying to get the contracts negotiated everything for like the season, like they were trying to get the agreement and Snell came out on Twitch and just absolutely slammed the owners. And it was like, Oh, we're never getting a season. Like it's over. (laughs) I just, I, yeah, so I would say Stroman, not Stroman, uh, Bauer and Syndergaard are in the top three. Stroman's in the top ten, but uh, that's just that's a super team if I've ever seen one. Although Tatis and Clevenger, if they can get someone else, if they can get oh, hold on, Tatis, Clevenger, Snell, dude, San Diego. That's that's what they were trying to do. They don't even care about putting together a good team. They were they were way ahead of us on this. They were trying to create a social media team. I think with the Padres, like, I don't know. That's just, they're such a good team. And they're obviously great at social media. So I think that... Here's, really- I'm going to give the Mets the edge just because Tatis has not become, like, out there yet. You know, like, he's not blatantly out there in terms of, like, bold comments. Like, he's just more like a... He's like Tim Anderson, like the let the kids play, but a little less cocky, a little less cocky. Um, I, I, I'll give the Mets the edge. I think they have they have the best collection. They would have had the best collection of um, of social media guys. They still they're very much in the running. Syndergaard and Stroman, very strong. We got we do have to wrap up. One last thing I want to say about the um, the Yankees, because uh, I know people said they could have done more. Look at the American League. And I don't know if maybe you guys can speak to this. Who are the teams that really improved? Because you think of all the big teams, right? I think Minnesota took a, just a step to the side. Like, I don't think they really did anything. They lost Trevor May. I'm trying to think of any guys that Minnesota, I can't think of a big guy that Minnesota really acquired. So they kind of just did a sidestep. I think Houston takes a big step back losing Springer. Um, Tampa Bay takes it. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like the only team in my mind that really took a gigantic leap forward is Chicago. The White Sox are 
in my mind, the only team that can compete with the Yankees for the American League pennant. Um, I think I think that the Yankees are going to be the best team in the American League. You look at their competition. I mean, Houston, people are going to sleep on Houston and be like, they're not that good. They're still pretty good. Their, their infield and outfield is still stacked, but their rotation is going to be god-awful. Because after Zach Granke, not, not god-awful, but after Zach Granke, they just lost Framber Valdez. And that's like a broken finger. Like he's going to be out for a while. I mean, they don't have, even their hitters aren't going to be that good. They don't have the trash cans. That's true. But they have to, and we'll talk a little bit more about this. Maybe when I, when I, when we start talking about power rankings, Altuve, if Altuve steps it up and he hit well in the playoffs, like, here's the thing. They didn't hit well in the regular season in the playoffs, but in the playoffs, their guys balled out and that they weren't playing in Houston. So, Bregman hit well. Springer is no longer there, but he hit well. Altuve hit very well. Correa was probably their best player. If they had won, probably would have been the NL, the ALCS MVP. But I don't really believe in, in the Astros. I think they're just going to be booed in every single stadium. Like, I've, I'm already talking to John Franco and Peter, and I'm trying to get Jack Banks on it. Listen, like, First time the Yankees and the Astros play May 4th. Like, let's go to the stadium. Field level seats. Let's boo the hell out of them. It's going to be great. But Houston's going to have a tough road. Minnesota just seems to have a rough go of things. Oakland's kind of in like a purgatory where they're always a fringe wildcard contender. Uh, My team this year, my like, they're not favorites to, to do anything. But I think they could even win the division, Los Angeles Angels. I think it's their time. They got to start winning. They're just ruining Mike Trout's prime. That's true. They need to win with Mike Trout. And Bundy's been good. They have a decent rotation. They said they might let Otani finally do his his two-way thing, which would be fun. He hit a bomb the other day. But, yeah, I think that's going to wrap up this episode. We really we were kind of all over the place, but we had a lot to cover. We've been gone for a month. Um. This is maybe not the best thing. We don't know who our next guest is going to be. It's either going to be one person or another person, whichever comes first. It's either it's either going to be a weekday guy or it's going to be a weekend guy. Uh, the weekend guy, huge, not is a huge guest, huge guest. Like it's going to rock the world. And the guy that's going to come in on the weekdays is already a friend of the pod. We all know him. We all love him. And when he comes on, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, until that, listen, keep your eyes peeled. Might have a little teasers on the on the Instagram. Definitely read Mr. Harris's article. And hey, if you want to read mine as well, go do it. But read Rory's. It's amazing. On behalf of Luca and Tommaso and Steven, who said he was coming but didn't. Typical Steven. We will call the night. So thank you, guys. If your eye life is pretty, you'll be toasting my health If an interest in gold, you should be lining the walls When your birthright is interest, you could just do it all Me and my cousins, and you and your cousins It's a line that's always running Me and my cousins, and you and your cousins I can feel it coming Get
can feel it, can 